0: welcome to the soul mama podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about healing awakening spirituality and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood we ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes elevates and heals us and our children we deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts to heal ourselves and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers, so we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honoured that you're here. Welcome back. I am so excited to bring you this week's guest. I have to share with you that as soon as I started this podcast, I always knew I'd love to have this guest on, but in the end, it wasn't even by my making or my invitation that this happened, but by serendipity and it did not disappoint. This week's guest is Alex L. Alex L., for those who don't know, where have you been, is an author, a wellness consultant and a mother of three. She lives in Washington, D.C. with her husband, Ryan, and their three daughters. Writing came into Alex's life by way of therapy and the exploration of healing through journaling. Alex assists others in finding their own voices through storytelling, poetry and narrative writing rooted in truth and without shame. Her mission is to build community and self-care practices through literature and language. She is the author of multiple books and journals, most recent being After the Rain. She also hosts the Hey Girl podcast. In this episode, Alex shares with such humility and openness the ups and downs of her fertility journey, including her experience of loss and IVF. is such an important conversation that i know like i know like i know will bring healing and hope to any who find themselves on a similar path so greetings and welcome to the soul mama podcast oh my goodness i'm so happy
1: to chat with you thank you for having me how are you feeling right now i'm feeling good right now um it's autumn here so it's my favorite season Mm -hmm. so i've actually been waking up pretty awesome moods um, <laughs> with the seasons changing and the weather being cool and crisp. And yes, yeah, so I feel good today. Thank you for asking. How are you?
0: I am also doing good. I feel it's autumn in the UK too. And I feel like that season just really invites us all in to slow down and just come into some, some rest and just mm. some inner reflection, which I think is so juicy because this is what we're both so passionate about. So for those who may not know what you do and who you are, do you mind just taking a few moments to give us an introduction to your work?
1: Sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Alexandra L. Most folks know me as Alex, Alex L. Um, I'm an author and a self-care facilitator who's passionate about bringing people closer to their voice by way of writing practice. I'm also a mother of
0: three daughters and a wife, and I live in the USA. I love that description. Thank you for sharing that with us. And about your motherhood journey, it has been quite public. Obviously, you share a lot of your life so graciously with us on Instagram and through your work and through your words. And I wondered if you could speak a little to how motherhood felt for you first time around compared to how that journey has transpired in the latter two of your daughters.
1: Mm. Hmm. So I guess I want to start by saying that I know it seems like a lot is shared, but actually a lot is not shared. A lot is kept sacred. Um, There are moments of joy and adversity uh, that I do feel comfortable um, bringing into the community because I think that we're never alone in our struggles. Mm. So um, when I'm able to, when I feel safe enough and confident enough um, to share certain things that I think other people will resonate with, I definitely lean into that calling. Um, But I also am very aware of boundaries and keeping certain things sacred. Um, So I just wanted to to put that out there because I know social media can seem like, oh my gosh, this person is hearing everything. We know everything and, and really people know like little nuggets and not quite the whole story. So I'm actually glad to be able to be in conversation with you about motherhood today on a deeper level. Mm. Um, so I first became a mother, I was 18, um, unwed, um, living at home with my parents. And I had a child with someone who I barely knew. I was not being Uh, safe, and I did not value my body as sacred. So in that, um, I became a teen mom. And um, from that instance, when I decided I was going to move forward with the pregnancy, um, I knew that I had to change my life. I knew that I had to uh, start taking the steps to be the type of woman I wanted to be outside of motherhood and the type of woman I wanted to be within motherhood. Um, So it just... Was almost. I want to say, I I don't want to say it was an immediate shift, but it was definitely like, okay, these inner dialogue conversations were happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, now as a thirty-one-year-old woman, I have the language to (laughs) to say it that way. Um, But at eighteen, I was just like, I'm changing. Like something has to give. Um, So I met my husband when my daughter was four and a half years old, Mm -hmm. and um, he, you know, stepped in and has been an amazing. Uh, father figure and my parents helped me raise my oldest um, for the first four and a half years of her life and then we moved out and my husband came to be with us um, and this is all kind of encapsulated just so I'm not giving you the super long story um, and then I knew that I wanted like my husband and I knew that we wanted to have children together mm-hmm. and we thought it would be easy both young both healthy in love, um, both like really growing in, in our individuality and as a couple and as a family of three. Um, and it was not easy. (laughs) Mm. It was not easy at all. And I think that was probably the most humbling situation that we walked through as a couple, but also me individually, because I had done a lot of soul work and self work before I met my husband. Um, and actually a year before we met i was celibate i w- was not dating i was i was pretty much like kind of alone um which was the best thing for me my friend group changed like i was really going through a shedding right mm. i was going through a wilting and um to like meet my husband in that in that stage of transition was really really just empowering And also, um, um, necessary because I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted from myself and I knew what I wanted out of a partner. Mm. And I knew that I wanted to give, um, my daughter a life that was abundant and filled with love and support and family. Mm. Um, so we started trying to conceive, um, My goodness, we've been together seven years now, and we started trying to conceive maybe three, four years into our partnership. We've been Mm -hmm. married for four years, and um, it wasn't working. It just wasn't working, and we were, like, really confused as to, like, why it wasn't working, and I knew that we needed fertility support, so we started that. We actually had gotten pregnant right at the like 11th month mark of trying, and that pregnancy ended up in a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So that's how I knew that we needed to get some fertility support. And Ryan, my husband, was really kind of... A, against that because you know it's scary going to the doctor i think there's a lot of stigma around black people going to doctors especially black men Mm -hmm. um so he was really scared but i knew that we needed that support so Mm -hmm. i started first i went i got my tubes flushed blood test all that everything came back perfectly fine normal my doctor said whenever you're ready to try again you are Mm -hmm. clear to try again nothing is wrong and then my husband had to go to the urologist and that is when we found out that he had some issues with his sperm. Mm-hmm. His morphology was low and his sperm count was low. So that was the culprit. Mm-hmm. And we, we were told, you know, it'll happen, you know, it might just take longer, but it'll happen. So we tried again for a little bit. It did not work. It did not, nothing happened. Um, and then we decided, okay, fertility support, through and through. We went, found an amazing team and started with the IUIs, which is intrauterine insemination. We did eight of those. So that's eight months worth of, um, IUIs and every last one of them was a no. Mm-hmm. So it's just essentially we went years, like two years with negative pregnancy tests, let down after let down, um, unpassionate sex, just like that sex where you're trying to get pregnant, you're trying mm-hmm. to have a baby type of sex. And it was really hard for us. Um, we ended up going through with IVF for our second child, uh, Isla, mm-hmm. who's our middle, and she's a firecracker. And that, that took perfectly. It's what we needed. Um, We got Pixie, which is where they put the sperm inside the egg and magic happens. And uh, we have five, we had six embryos for us (laughs) waiting. Um, And Isla was the first one, her embryo was the first one to kind of hatch is what they call it. And um, we got IVF with her embryo. And it was fine. Our doctor said, whenever you're ready to try again, let us know. You have five embryos waiting. They're perfect. They're beautiful. You know, all the science mm-hmm. talk. And it's likely that, you know, you won't get pregnant naturally. You have less than 30% chance because of the, your husband's sperm. And, um, and that's fine. We're here to support you. Mm-hmm. 20 months later, I welcomed a very, very, very surprising (laughs) third daughter (laughs) into the world who was conceived naturally. we were actually in the thick of getting our other embryos tested so that we could um, go through with our second round of IVF. Mm. And it's so interesting. We were planning on getting the embryo implanted September 2019 but i was giving birth september 2019 to our third daughter That's and amazing it was very amazing and wild and our doctors were blown away um but it wasn't without its challenges i i bled with both of the babies um the first trimester mm. and that was really scary especially after loss of course but I think what we've learned about this experience is, one, never say never. (laughs) Two, you don't know what life is going to have in store for you, even if you try to plan for it. And three, to just let go a little. Mm. And that's our fertility story in a nutshell. It could be so much longer. And I know I just rambled, but
0: I just oh my gosh. (laughs) Seriously, thank you for sharing so candidly what I know so many couples, so many women go through. And I think especially coming from the black community, there is still this stereotype and this um, idea that black women don't struggle with fertility in the same way. And that black men are super virile. And there's this, you know, shame that I think black couples hold on to when they are experiencing that struggle to conceive and having been in a relationship which is loving and in a marriage that's been loving and with that intentionality it feels really hard to be in a situation where it's like everything else has been lined up on paper we're good to go now what is this next step that we have to take and I think the fact that you were both able to seek help and be in a position to get the support that you needed is so beautiful and such a test Testimony to anybody who is on that journey, but also, of course, to the fact that that is not an easy emotional undertaking. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on the relationship. It puts a lot of pressure on your body. And I think it makes what is a sacred transition mm. feel very medical, very cold, and sometimes quite numbers and data driven, which I think from my perspective as a, as a healer supporting women and couples through, I feel like when I'm working with a couple who are undertaking IVF, my role is almost to bring that sanctity back and to create that space for the honoring of the emotional and the spiritual journey that is clearly happening alongside the medical. Yes. And I wondered what supported you, what grounding supported you both individually and collectively in being able to hold that journey alongside the IVF journey?
1: Mm, A lot of open conversation about our fears Mm -hmm. um, was something that we had to talk about. Like, this was a really intense, it was intense. Um, That's the best word that I could use. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, on an individual level, I wrote a lot of affirmations. I really leaned deep into my notes to self um, and into my ability to lift myself up. Mm -hmm. Because while I had my amazing best friend, husband, everything, you know, rooting me on because I'm the one, you know, getting the shots and I'm the one, you know, essentially getting the brunt of the treatment, all he Mm -hmm. had to do was leave a sample, you know, which is a huge part, but definitely not in comparison to, you know, everything else was, he was just like, you can do this. You were made for this, you know, all of this great stuff. And it was lovely, but I also had to believe that for myself and affirm it for myself. You know, it's one thing to have someone, you know, telling us, it's another thing for us to tell ourselves. So it was a lot of conversation about fears and about, um, affirmation of the relationship of the ability to do this together and have this you know really sacred experience even though out of the out of the norm but but it can be sacred so like you know it was it was so wild it was I talk about this in my new book Mm. in the essay called um, dedication and it is the most emotionally stretching thing to go through infertility be it uh, if it's because of male factor or female factor or unexplained Mm. it is wild um and uh, looking back I remember like reading through some of my journals and seeing how hopeless I felt and then how hopeful and then how hopeless like the waves of emotion and how they ebbed and flowed
0: Mm, Um, such a roller coaster such a roller coaster yeah yeah and you spoke about faith and fear there alongside each other. Obviously, your work and your affirmations have been so potent for so many people in really moving them from a space that they might be struggling or, you know, in self-doubt into that space of self-love. Did you find that there were moments where you really struggled to lean into the faith when you were in in the fear because i think often in the spiritual community there is this almost um judgment of articulating or voicing fears that fear is becoming louder or more powerful and mm. you know especially when affirmations and we understand how powerful words and language can be in creating the positive that we want in our lives did you fear the fear in that journey
1: oh my goodness yeah um and something that's really important, I think, to say, while I'm not religious, I absolutely have a extension of spirituality. And I think there's a lot of beauty to be had in our faith and in our fear, in our hope mm-hmm. and in our hopelessness. I don't think it's just one or the other. I don't think we can we can we only have to hold one and ignore the other, mm-hmm. you know? So um for me, being able to be honest in that, like I'm scared. Right now, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to stick. I don't even think I took a breath really mm-hmm. um, until Isla was on my chest, yeah. and like even until she, I heard her cry. You know, she had meconium in in her um, water, so you know they had to after the midwife delivered her. Um, they had to take her, you know, to suction her and make sure she was okay and all of this. Um, she was fine. But it was absolutely like scary. So it's like, yo, are we going to even get to have our baby? Mm. You know, like, are we ever going to be able to get to have our baby? Even when she was Earthside, yeah. Um, and I don't. And I think that's human. I think that's human. I mean, going through miscarriage and then going through loss after loss. You know, like, and I say loss after loss because. All of those negative pregnancy tests felt like a loss. Of course. Two years worth. It was, it was really intense. Mm. Um, and then, you know, when we finally did get pregnant prior to doing IVF, having a sigh of relief when we saw those two lines and then literally four weeks later bleeding. Um, so I think I learned a lot about holding space for the duality of life, that I can be fearful and have faith. You know, that I can be grieving and find moments of joy to lean into. And I think that is so, so important, especially as we navigate these waters of our sexuality and our bodies and um, carrying life and everything else in between. There's so much gray area and there's so much of holding both mm. that has to
0: happen definitely and I think it's just testament to the way that life unfolds that you then had your third pregnancy as a natural conception I mean how did you process that in in your relationship with each other how did you speak about what happened there oh
1: man well Isla was not even one yet we found out a week before her first birthday wow and (laughs) Just recalling this is (laughs) wild. Um, I remember us walking into the house, me, Charlie, my oldest daughter, Isla, and and Ryan. And I was like, oh, I don't feel very good. It was just weird. It was just like out of the blue. I was feeling fine and then I wasn't. I was like, that's weird. I don't really feel well. And I'm getting cramps and my period's not due until, you know, a couple of weeks, this is just not feeling well. And Ryan joked, he was like, you're not pregnant, are you? And I was like, Psh, no, like you already know. And we had a moment and, the, and uh, Charlie was like, oh, I wish, you know, cause she was already ready for oh, a <laughs> new sibling. That is so beautiful. And then I, I just went on about life, you know, and I don't know if I knew my period was late, but I. I had an inkling that something was off so I took a test two weeks later and I normally am really good at tracking my period and I didn't realize it was two days late until after I peed on the stick I went peed on the stick went to check the app it was two days late went back to the stick stick had two lines and I was like oh
0: <laughs> my God. what went through your mind in that moment I said oh shit <laughs> those were the the words (laughs) pardon my french (laughs) no it's literally that those two words sum up it a lot it's that sense of like utter shock and obviously considering everything that you guys had been through yes it was that it must have been like all of the emotions or like yes i can only imagine how did ryan respond
1: So he was in the other room. Isla was sleeping. Basketball game was on. Charlie was in her room. So I'm trying to whisper shout from the bathroom. (laughs) I'm like, babe, babe, and he's like, Are you calling me? I'm like, Yes. He's like, What? What do you want? The game is on.
0: (laughs) You're gonna want to come come here. I say,
1: You're gonna you come here now. (laughs) So he walks into the bathroom. You know, and we're very silly and playful. He's like, What do you want? And I said, I'm pregnant. And I slid him the test. And he said, no. He was like, shut up.
0: (laughs) And utter disbelief. Oh,
1: utter disbelief. And he was like, no way. No, no way. Wow. And I said, yep. He goes, but they told us. I said, I know what they told us. Right. And what's so wild with that as well is, we had only had sex that conception month twice because life is busy and we had new a new baby kid, a toddler yeah. and like, it's crazy. Yeah, of course. Um, and I was like, well, when did this happen? Like we were all, we were just like, what <laughs> on earth? And then we just smiled so big because uh-huh. in that moment we were validated. Like yes. nothing is wrong with us. We're not allergic to each other. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Like,
1: And and I think for him as a man, too, I don't want to speak too much on his behalf, but like, he just felt like, I did it, you know, like, I can do this. And um, that was really beautiful. Like, IVF was beautiful in its own right, Mm -hmm. you know, but this was also beautiful that Mm. it was, we had a baby through having regular old sex that didn't feel like the pressure was off, right? Because we weren't trying to get pregnant. Um, So it was just, it was mind blowing.
0: Yeah, I think that's just such a, a testament. Like I said, to the miracles that are held in in life and in our bodies. You know, like I I see women who have gone through very similar journeys where they've had failed rounds of IVF, they've had pregnancy losses, mm-hmm. and by the time that we've worked together, there's a real doubt in their body's ability and their partner's ability, and a fear kind of hanging. Around the expectation, like not even wanting to believe, not even really wanting to try, but wanting to try, you know? Yeah. Yes. And and often my whole approach is like, let's just remove the pressure of trying. Let's just focus on what needs to be healed. Let's just focus on where there needs to be loving attention. Let's just focus on the parts of yourself that have been neglected in this journey. And just through the nourishing and coming back home to yourself as a woman in a partnership and your partner doing the same, the ease and the surrender that opens up mm-hmm. in those moments. I've had couples who then go on to naturally conceive who've been told that they wouldn't have otherwise conceived and for me witnessing that and holding space for that is always mind-blowing because I'm like Science has its place, don't get me wrong, but spirit has its place as well. And there is just so much that we have access to and that our bodies intelligently know that once we let go of that restriction and that pressure, like you described, and sometimes the stress and all of the angst that gets built up, I think it just opens the pathway for any spirit that's calling to come through at that point. It's like, okay, yeah, this is gonna be easy ride now, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was. It's wild. I still look at uh, Maximus. That—that's her name, our third mm. daughter, and her name means the greatest. And her middle name is Ari, which means lion of God. Um, oh. so, like, I look at Maxi, is what we call her, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, you're not even supposed to be here. I mean, you are but you're not <laughs> and like this is just in the dual I mean the 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 duality in that like wow it's just and she's such a sweet soul like oh, oh my god and just so loving and just everything
0: so it's mm. just like wow look at this I'm so happy to hear how your family has grown and developed That is where we are leaving part one of our conversation with Alex. I don't know about you, but I find Alex has such a gift for storytelling and I love that she encourages us to hold space for the duality of life. In part two, I ask Alex about how her experience of motherhood has changed over the years and she talks more about how writing became central to her healing journey. You're not going to want to miss it. Tune in then. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to www.soulmommajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at soulmamacoach for more personal shares and updates, and you can email me at nahanda at soulmommajourney.com. I so love to hear from you. Share the love with your friends, family, and anyone who would benefit from listening to this. And if you could take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you've listened to it, that really helps more people to discover it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Stay blessed.